What if I told you that God could be seen in the most ordinary things every day? That if we just took a break from the busyness of our lives to just stop and look around, to consider the things that we encounter all the time and overlook, the lessons that we would learn from our children and in our homes, our families, what if I told you that everyday ordinary events could teach us extraordinary eternal truths? Would you believe me? Hey everybody and welcome back to the Set Your Mind Above podcast. I'm your host BJ Seid. I'm a Christian, a preacher, a husband, and a father. In this podcast, we take everyday, ordinary events and explore how they can teach us extraordinary eternal truths. I'm so glad that you joined me for this episode. Now, let's open up our minds, our hearts, and our Bibles together. Well, I have experienced about every single emotion there is to experience tonight. From anticipation, to excitement, to joy, to nervousness, to heartbreak. And all in that order, too, by the way. If you know me well, you know that I am an avid Seattle Mariners fan. And for the first time in 21 years, we actually have something to root for. (laughs) We ended a playoff drought that has lasted for two decades this year and found ourselves in a wildcard spot for the 2022 MLB playoffs. Our first round was against the heavy-hitting Toronto Blue Jays team, who we swept after coming back from being down 8-1 in the second game. It was a wild ride. But our path to the World Series still seems light years away, because of a big, huge, looming obstacle that we must overcome to get there. And that, of course, is the Houston Astros. Love them or hate them, there really isn't much of an in-between for sports fans. What cannot be denied is that they have one of the best teams in baseball. Today was Game 1 against them in Houston, and I knew going into it, it was going to be a dogfight. That is why I was so excited when we jumped out early four to nothing in the ballgame. We were in complete control of the game for about eight innings. But slowly, the Astros started chipping away back at our lead. By the time we got to the bottom of the ninth, there were two men on and two men out. We needed just one more out to win game one on their turf. But the game wasn't over yet, because with a man on first and second, and the winning run was coming to the plate in the Astros' best hitter, Alvarez, who was already two for four in the ballgame, with Seawald struggling, we needed to make a pitching change. So who would we bring in? Kirby? Swanson, maybe? As soon as I saw who it was, my heart sank. We were bringing in Robbie Ray. Ray has fallen greatly from his Cy Young winning season last year, struggling a lot with the Mariners after we acquired him in the offseason. The team he has struggled with the most? You guessed it, 
the Astros. So here we were, two outs. Alvarez comes up to the plate, and two pitches in, the most gut-wrenching thing happened for us Mariners fans. Well, just listen for yourself. In to try to close it on a Tuesday. Alvarez launches deep right field, and this one is gone! And the Astros walk him off in game one! Jordan Alvarez! Crushed. I couldn't believe it. We had that game in the bag and just threw it away with a fastball down the middle after bringing in the worst possible pitcher we could have against their best hitter. Houston walks it off for game one. Naturally, I'm getting all the flack from my friends who are big Astro fans. I'm looking at you, Nathan Cox and David Banning. But real talk, David, I am so glad that you got to be at that game. What an experience for you. So while I sulk tonight in wondering what could have been, the real question is this. How will the Mariners respond in Game 2? They failed tonight. They gave up two-run and three-run home runs in back-to-back innings to lose the game. It's over. It's done. There's nothing that they can do to change the outcome of Game 1. But you know what they can do? They can do better in Game 2. They can learn from their mistakes get back up, and step back up to the plate ready to compete on Thursday. Sitting and sulking will do the team no good. Letting tonight's loss define them will only ensure their eventual elimination. Yes, they fell hard tonight, but the series is not over yet. In order for them to stay and compete, there is nothing more important for them to do right now than how they respond to tonight's loss. While David and Nathan might not see eye-to-eye on baseball with Brady or myself, as Christians and preachers, there is something that each of us can agree on that is much more important than baseball. What I am referring to is this. In our spiritual walk, one of the most important things to learn is how to respond to failure. We are human. As such, so long as we are here in the flesh, we will battle against sin. It is simply a part of living in a broken world. While we strive to be more like Jesus, the fact of the matter is that none of us can walk perfectly. We are going to fail. In fact, John would say in 1 John 1 and verse 10 that if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Even the Apostle Paul himself, the great evangelist to the Gentiles, talks about his own struggles with sin in the flesh. He writes in Romans 7 in verses 22 through 24, For in my inner self I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am! 
Who will rescue me from this body of death? Of course, this is not to excuse our failures and sins. Many people will simply shrug off the great wrong they have done by saying, I'm only human. Well, yes, you are. But you are still going to be held accountable for your actions. Such a response is a great misunderstanding of God's grace. To quote an old friend of mine, grace is God's answer to our sin, not our excuse for it. With that being said, here is the reality of our situation, though. You are going to make mistakes, you are going to fail, and you are going to sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Paul would also write to the church in Rome. You can't change that fact. You can't go back and correct all of your mistakes in the past. What is done is done. The question is this, how will you respond to failure? Will you allow yourself to be defined by those mistakes and just throw in the towel and say, well, I guess this is just who I am? Sadly, I know so many people who view themselves in this way. Rather than get back up and fight the good fight, they just stay down and defeated. They continue in sin because, after all, it's just who I am. I'm just a bad husband, or I'm just an alcoholic, or I'm just a porn addict. My friends, we cannot allow ourselves to think in this way. We must remember two things. First, while you cannot erase your sins, there is one who can. In the same context of wrangling with his sin, Paul would go on to say in Romans 7 verses 25, down through chapter 8 and verse 4. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." You cannot change your past, but the grace of God can change your standing before God. He can erase your record of debt and your failings that were once held against you by His grace and declare you righteous. Your identity is not found in who you were and the mistakes you have made, but in who Jesus Christ can make you by His grace. Secondly, you've got to get back up and step back up to the plate. Again, Paul writes in the very next few verses, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. 
Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Romans 8, 5 through 6. Even though the righteous fall, the proverb writer says that they will get back up again. What is your mindset? If you let your sin define you and you simply give up, your mind is set on the flesh and it will certainly lead to your spiritual demise. But if your mind is set on things above, you'll get back up and you'll try again. His mercies are new day by day. Trust in His grace. Get up and pursue Christ once more, because it's not over till it's over. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode, and I would invite you back every Tuesday for a brand new episode each week. If you haven't already, be sure to find us on Facebook for occasional announcements and special video sessions. If you have benefited from this podcast, please, if you're able to, be sure to share it with someone else that you think could benefit from it as well. Until next time, know that I love you, that God loves you, and may we all each and every day set our minds above. When you fall that far, we lose our way. We get back up again. It's never too late to get back up again. And one day, you won't shine again. You may be knocked down, but not out forever. Lose our way. We get back up again. So get up, get up. You won't shine again. It's never too late to get back up again. You may be knocked down, but not out forever. You rolled out at the dawning of the day. Heart racing as you made your little getaway. It feels like you've been running all your life, but why? Love calling